time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Well, this is the Vintage Truth Podcast where we take God's vintage truth, sometimes very deep truth, sometimes hard to understand truth, and we put it into a language that you can understand because that's what I do best. And some exciting things that are coming up, uh, you know, the, um, the big announcement that I gave in the last podcast, if you're part of my newsletter, my online newsletter, you received that um, ahead of everyone else. And by the way, if you want to join my once a month or so newsletter, then um, go to jeffkinley.com and click on the right-hand column. It just says sign up for, for my newsletter and uh, you can unsubscribe at any time and I don't send you a bunch of spam stuff. It's just stuff that's good for you. Anyway, so the big announcement was in about a year from now is going to be our Prophecy at Sea cruise. We're cruising the Caribbean, the Caribbean, however you choose to say it, with uh, five of us prophecy speakers, myself, Dr. David Reagan, Billy Crone, Don Perkins, and Tom Hughes. will all be there for five days of sailing across the Caribbean with stops at Cozumel and Costa Maya, and we're sailing out of Galveston, and the price is amazingly affordable. And uh, they're going to be hundreds to be a part of this cruise. And, you know, quite frankly, um, I really think this is going to fill up pretty quick because five of us are out there telling the world about it, and we're going to get this thing filled up very, very quick. So uh, as soon as I get that information in terms of how you register and that type of thing, which will be very soon. I'll put that on my website. I'll put on my Facebook group, the whole thing, and uh, you'll be able to uh, get more information. There'll be some videos there, the ship, and that kind of thing. It'll be a lot of fun. And then also, coming up in November, I have a new book releasing that I'm very excited about, and the book is called Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy. That's right. It's going to be amazing. And I'm very excited to share this book with you. And it's going to really bring prophecy down to a level where everyone can reach out and grab it, you know. So it won't be above your head. I explain so many difficult concepts in there, uh, as well as giving you some really cool tools uh, for how to navigate through these last days. Hey, um, and uh, in the next uh, couple of months, I'm going to be traveling around doing a lot of speaking. I'll be down in the San Antonio area if you'd... Uh, if you're down that area, I'd love for you to come uh, to come see it. I'll I'll be on um, the East Coast, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, for the Atlantic Coast Bible Congress. There, be speaking there, and uh, also in uh, let's see, Houston. I'll be down in Houston. It'll be a fun time down in Houston, uh, speaking there at um, a church there and a school as well, and uh, also just uh, traveling some other places. I'll be up in uh, New Jersey and. You know, just all kinds of cool places that the Lord uh, has me at Edmond, Oklahoma for the Blessed Hope Prophecy Conference. I'm very excited about that. And then some others that um, <clears throat> we're still in the works uh, working on and stuff. A lot of cool things happening. So, hey, hey, we're starting a new little series here, a little four-part series, if we can do it that quickly, uh, called Big Jesus. And Big Jesus series is all about uh, who is Jesus Christ and what, how does he relate to you and there's going to be four parts to this little series. Today we're going to talk about, is Jesus worthy to be your God? Okay. And the next time we're going to talk about, is he able to be your savior? Then is he willing to be your source of joy and help and strength and overcoming? And then finally, is he coming to be your deliverer? 
And so we're going to go over that together. It's going to be an exciting time. Big Jesus. Hey, we need a big Jesus because the Jesus that so many people talk about today is so weak. You know, he just can't do it. He's, he's not able. He's not sufficient. You know, I heard read a, a an article about this uh, quote-unquote famous pastor out of New York City with, uh, I don't know if he's with Hillsong or some group like that, but uh, he was on Oprah and you know, Oprah said, oh, really, is, is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Hmm. Disturbing response that he gave Oprah. Of course, you know, it was one that Oprah loved, of course. But is he big enough? Is Jesus worthy to be your God? And what does that even mean to say that Christ is your God? Well, we look at Colossians chapter 1. And verse 15, just listen to what Paul says. Listen to how Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes Jesus Christ. He says in verse 15, And he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. That word image there is the Greek word icon. And it's the same word that was used to describe the face of the Roman emperor on a Roman coin. You say, what's the point of that? Well, the point of that is when you held up a Roman coin, if you're a Roman citizen, that image, that icon represented the emperor behind the coin. In other words, you look at that that facial depiction of him, that's the emperor. That's what he looks like. You know, we look at Abraham Lincoln on a penny, right? That's the icon. He's saying Jesus is the visible icon of the invisible God, because God is spirit. You can't see him. Jesus is the visible representation of God. And so Paul is declaring him as that right there. I mean, if, now if there was somebody else in history or in the Old Testament or anyone else that could match up to that, reach that level, I'm sure Paul would have told us. But he says he is the only image of the invisible God. And he says, in that same verse, he's the firstborn of all creation. And, you know, a lot of times people go, oh, God, firstborn, does that mean Jesus had a beginning? No, that's not what that word means. It's the Greek word prototokos, or prototokos, depends on whether you're from the north or the south of, of Greece, right? No, and, and the word simply means that he is the rightful heir to all of creation. He's the rightful heir to creation. In other words, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father, and it all belongs to him. So, Christ, is he worthy to be your God? Well, first of all, he is the image. He's, when we look at what God is like, we look at Jesus. What was Christ like? What did he do? That's what God is like. That's what God would do. And he's also the rightful heir to all creation. In fact, the Bible tells us that over in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 9, it says, for, for in him, that's Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. So he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn or the rightful heir of all creation. You know, there's so many other scriptures that we could uh, look at here. Uh, we could go over to John 14 and verse 9, which is a great statement by Christ himself. This is after Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You know, that ultra, ultra conservative, exclusive statement where Jesus rules out every single other 
religious system or way to God. And by the way, this, this pastor who was with Oprah said, well, you know, Christ is like a, a road sign pointing to God. Whoa, he's not a road sign. He is the way. to He's the road to God. My gosh, how can you be so confused? Anyway, in uh, chapter 14 and verse 9 of John, Jesus says, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you saying, show us the Father? Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of the nature of God. He's claiming to be God. You say, how else does he do that? Well, back in Colossians and chapter 1 verse 13, verse 16, Paul says, well, you know, how, how does this work out? That Christ is God. Verse 16 says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him. John 1, 1 through 3 tells us exactly the same thing. You see, Jesus Christ is the creator. The trinity of of God, the triunity of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was there in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. See, the Bible talks about creation, and it's a, it's a divine fiat. It's a spoken word by God, and boom, there it is. It wasn't, it wasn't divine evolution. It wasn't a divine process. My gosh, we're talking about an infinite God who could have created the universe in six milliseconds. But he said six literal days. Jesus is the creator. All of creation, watch this now, came from the mind of Jesus. He simply thought it up. He created it out of nothing. And poof, there it was. You know why? It says because he spoke it. He says, let there be, and there it was. And God made man. Created man out of the dust of the earth. He did that. It's called a miracle because an infinite God can do, or watch this, this word's going to blow your mind, anything. He can do anything. Anything he desires, he can do. And he accomplishes those things that he has decreed that he will do. So he has created all things. All things were created. Invisible things, things you could see, name it, he created it, right? It says all things have been created by him. And, and so that means that he has to be outside of time. He has to be outside of space. And he has to be immaterial. In other words, he had no beginning God didn't begin with, with, you know, scraps in the workshop. There was nothing there. There was no man, no woman, no earth, no sky, no heavens, no space, no space. None of the hundred billion universes that we've discovered out there wasn't there. Sun, stars, galaxies, nebulas, nothing was there. The whole concept of space, not just outer space, but the concept of space itself, 
spatiality did not exist. It came out of the mind of Jesus. That's how thinking awesome he is. He just thought it up. And he brought it into being. But watch this. You better take a deep breath on this one. We're about to dive deep on this one. It says, all things in verse 16 were created by him and for him. Whoa. So, Jeff, what, what does that mean? It means that he is the reason for our existence. That our existence on this planet, and, and yes, even in eternity, exists for his glory. We exist for him. He does not exist for us. And we're going to talk about in a couple of podcasts just what Jesus actually does for us because he does do things for us. But the reason he does things for us, ultimately, not just because he loves us, but ultimately is because he deserves the glory for it so that we would give the glory back to him. That's why he does it. When, he he, when Jesus healed many people in the New Testament, Yes, he did miracle things for them. He made them see, took their leprosy away. He, he you know, healed the, uh, the uh, demon-possessed man. But then he would tell them, now, now go and tell what great things God has done for you. You see, the point of us even experiencing the things God does for us is so that we can give glory back to him. We were created for him. He does not exist for our benefit. We exist for his glory. Did you get that? He does not exist. Jesus does not exist for just for our benefit. We exist for his glory. We exist so that people can look at us and go, oh, okay, I get what God is like now more because I've seen you and what he's done in your life, what he's done for you, because it all comes back to him. That's what it means when it says that all things have been created for him. He is the point of your life. He is the point of you. And if you ever let that marinate in your brain long enough, then it'll radically change you. Because in that moment, you realize that you are a created thing. And he is the creator. And by that one fact, we are to worship him and tell him how awesome and great he is. Wow. Worthy to be our God. You know, Jesus in John chapter 8 and around verse uh, verse, verse 58. We'll, we'll get specific here, okay? Uh, Jesus is talking to the Jewish religious leaders. And he said to them, he said, hey guys, your father Abraham, whom they revered, revered excuse me, more than anyone, he says, rejoice to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Abraham was able to know that God would provide the Messiah for the people, the Jewish people. And the Jews therefore said to him, you're not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. You know how Jesus responds to them? He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Whoa. It's a Greek phrase, ego me. He's saying, I was eternal 
before your great father Abraham that you greatly respect and honor and revere. I'm greater than he is. You know why? Because I'm God. I'm the one that gave him the promises that you benefit from as Jewish, the Jewish people. I, I gave him the promise of that his descendants would be as, as much as the stars in the sky. I gave him the promise that he would have a, a, a nation and that he would have land and that those who bless him would be blessed, those who cursed him would be cursed. I, I'm the one that, that talked to him about that. I am he. I am. As Exodus 3.14 says, when Moses was at the burning bush, what do I tell him your name is, God, when I go to Pharaoh? You tell him I am sent you. Jesus says, the one standing before you now, Jews, fellow Jewish brothers, is the great I am of the Old Testament. You know how they responded? Do they understand? Do they really get what he was saying? Yeah. Verse 59 says, therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. You know why? Because of blasphemy. Because he was claiming to be God. They wanted to kill him. Wow. Well, that just highlights the fact of verse 17 in Colossians 1. It says, and he is before all things. In other words, he predates time and creation. You know, you, you and I were created, but we're going to live for eternity in the future. All of us will. Every human that's ever lived is, is going to live. We don't, you don't really die when you die. You just change location. You go from this world to another world, this reality to the real reality, the one that really lasts. You go from this state to the eternal state. And Jesus will not just live forever, but he lived forever in the past. He's eternal. No beginning, no end. He said, Jeff, I can't wrap my mind around that. You're not supposed to. It's like putting the, the contents of the ocean inside of a small glass. You can't get all of it in there. That knowledge is too great for us. Christ predates time. He's the point. And then he goes on. The last thing he says is in verse 17. It says, and in him, that's Jesus, that's Christ. All things hold together. That means that Jesus' power, literally the power of his spirit, is what keeps the universe together. It's what keeps atoms together. We don't still don't really know why atoms stay together. This verse tells us that in Christ all things hold together. He is, he is the cause that conserves the universe, that conserves matter itself. That's how great he is. He's the initial cause of creation. He's the instrumental cause being used to create the world. He's, he's the conserving cause. He's the final cause of everything. See, Jesus Christ is God. He's preeminent. He's the creator. He is the sovereign one. He's the sustainer. He's the, the firstborn. He's the God-man. And he is the one who is worthy to be our God. These truths that, that Paul is telling us today, these are truths that cause our knees to bend. These are truths that cause our heads to bow. These are truths that cause our hearts to submit and to tell him that he is worthy 
to be my God. Big Jesus, right? (laughs) Hey, next podcast, we're going to talk about how Christ is able to be your Savior in our Big Jesus series. I'll talk to you then. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.